As I said before the break, we have a very special pair of guests on the deck today. One of our sponsors of Expo Radio, the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast, uncontrolledairspace.com. And I want to thank Jack Hodgson and Jeb Burnside for coming out, doing a live slot with us today. He's got some guests. Without further ado, I am going to turn it over to Jack Hodgson and Jeb Burnside. Take it away, Jack. Thank you, David, and welcome, everyone, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. We're coming to you this morning from uh, live from the grounds of the Sebring U.S. Sport Aviation Expo here at uh, Sebring Airport in Sebring, Florida. And uh, it's finally today that, well, let me just start by saying I've got uh, a bunch of my good friends uh, here with me now, and a couple others will be stopping by. Uh, First of all, Jeb is here. How are you doing, Jeb? I'm fine. Technically, it's, you know, it's afternoon now. Is it? What did I say? You said morning. Oh, well, it's morning. It's the first time I've said good morning to people. My, my role in life is to correct you on these things. There you so go. <laughs> I'm just living up to expectations. Going to be keeping you pretty busy then. Be careful. <laughs> uh, and uh, James Winbrandt is here too. Hi, James. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's so fantastic to be here uh, at uh, the premiere event of 2013 at General Aviation. Yeah. And uh, we got some other friends that are going to be joining us in a few minutes as well. But let's just talk a little bit uh, about uh, what's been going on so far. Uh, it's a it's a, been a nice year. This is day four, or the final day of this year's Sebring uh, Expo. Uh, it's been uh, a, a very nice show. The weather hasn't been awful. It was a little chilly early on. It was. Yeah. All you Florida people, what a bunch of wimps! It was beautiful. I'm sorry. Jackets are us, man. <laughs> it was a little chilly. The first it was apparently pretty windy. I didn't make it here on Thursday, and I'm told that the wind was pretty uh, uh, interesting. Uh, kept some airplanes on the ground that day, but uh, but uh, the crowds were apparently pretty good. And then I got here on Thursday, uh, a little chilly but nicer. The sun, I think it was the sun was out on that day. It was a nice day though. It was very pleasant. There was no real inclement weather. There had been no thunderstorms or you know bad rain or anything like that. And, uh, you know, an overcast, and then there's a little bit of a breeze, but uh, nothing as highly experienced Florida pilots can yeah. handle. It's interesting that last night... Hang on. Is, are we hearing day, uh, James all right here? Let's just make sure we're hearing James. And uh, I was just noting that last night, obviously, we saw some threatening weather throughout the day, and we did have some rain, but it held off until exactly the end of the air show last night. Right, so that's right. Yeah, so that's right. Things we, are working out. That's right. We recorded a daily uh, late in the afternoon yesterday, and as we were driving away about a half an hour after that, it started to rain on us. So, uh, But uh, it really, all in all, a very, very pleasant week uh, weather-wise. The show is, uh, is very interesting. It's very comparable, in my mind, to the show that I saw here last year and even the year before. Uh, most of the same exhibitors are here. Uh, there seems to be a lot of energy among the exhibitors and showing off uh, uh, the uh, LSA airplanes and a, and a few others as well, a few non-LSA aircraft, but that's kind of nice. The, uh, there's an optical illusion apparently been happening here this year um, because we've commented on a couple of the uh, daily episodes that we did that uh, we thought the crowds might be down a little bit. Um, but at the same time, we qualified that by admitting that they had changed the layout of the grounds. It is larger. The, it, they've expanded the display area. Yeah, because according to the uh, show operators, uh, the uh, expo folks have announced that uh, the first three days uh, attendance uh, broke records. Um, it equaled and exceeded the uh, attendance from past years. Which is especially considering that the weather did keep people from coming in. Yeah. Yeah, apparently there was some flying uh, issues uh, getting into the area with, uh, you know, weather blocking. Yeah. So, 
it's uh, it's been very nice in that way. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, you know the airplanes we've seen, and uh, you know again some of the a lot of these are airplanes that we're very familiar with, and uh, it's it, it there doesn't seem to be as much news here this year as I've seen in past years. There are a couple of interesting stories though. Uh, we're seeing uh, in person flying for the first time the flight design CTLSI, uh, LSI, the uh, the cool new end, which is basically the same airplane but with a, a new improved engine. Is that now is that the Lycoming engine or is that the uh, I believe it's the uh, Rotax. The newer Rotax. The okay. newer Rotax, yeah. So uh, you guys are a little bit more into the into engine technology here. Can you describe to me in, in briefly what's different about that engine? The uh, I, I don't know is the quick answer. Is it uh, the fuel injection? I believe it's the fuel okay. injected one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the eye would tend to uh, lead me in that con- in yeah. that direction. The upshot is that it gets a, 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 a the thing that I find most interesting about it is that it gets a lot more performance uh, per gallon. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I, I saw a piece about that airplane recently uh, where they were talking about cruising at about six thousand feet at one hundred and fifteen knots. Uh, and getting four gallons an hour. Yeah, 119.9 knots on four, ga- yeah, right, <laughs> four yeah. gallons an hour. <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so that's one interesting story. We've seen that airplane. I've seen that airplane taxiing around. It seems like they're probably giving just nonstop demo oh, rides I, I in it. Guess, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if there's any doubt about the utility of these aircraft, you know, there is staging out of here today. Uh, they're having a flyout, LSA flyout to the Bahamas today. Cool. So, oh, really? Yes, so they're heading over to Grand Bahama Island today. I think then I, they're going to another destination in the Bahamas after that. So these aircraft are not only capable of uh, getting from one state to another, they can cross borders at this point. Mm-hmm. How many airplanes do you think? Do you know the number? I don't know the number, no. Is it more like three or more like 30? I think it would be somewhere more around the 10 aircraft okay. yeah. area. That's not only a great adventure, that's notable in terms of... It's only in the past couple of years that you've been able to take an LS, a light sport aircraft over to uh, the Bahamas. Am I right about that? I believe so. I, it was a couple of years ago that they uh, approved experimental aircraft, and I'm not sure if at the same time they approved LSAs or if that was a before or after. Yeah, it's been two or three years. I remember they, they made that announcement at AirVenture one year, um, and you know, we covered it in, in the newspaper up there, but uh, uh, which year that was, uh, I don't recall. Yeah. So the uh, like I said, they changed the layout here a little bit, um, but mostly what they did was spread things out a little bit. They seem to have made the aisles a little bit bigger, so there won't be so much crowding in the aisles as you're wandering from from exhibit to exhibit. Um, I guess the most notable thing, though, is that the old inside exhibit tent, which used to be sort of uh, uh, sort of up front in the center, sort of near the sh- near the flight line in the center of the show. Uh, is not the, where the exhibits are anymore. Now uh, they've uh, repurposed a, a big old, I think gorgeous old hangar uh, that's just off to the left. I can see it right out in front of us here um, as you come in the main gate. And it had been been being used for various miscellaneous storage. I won't go into the details of what I heard. I don't want to know. Was in it before, but uh, it, it wasn't even airplanes. It was it was uh, something else. And so uh, it's now being uh, they cleaned it all out. You wouldn't know that it had in it what I've been told was in it, all right? And now I expand a little now. You've got our curiosity around here. That's three three, uh, times now you've alluded to something. How are you getting home? (laughs) My work here is complete. So uh, uh, they've cleaned out that hangar, and they've set up a bunch of uh, pipe and drape uh, uh, rows of uh, booths for exhibitors, and uh, there's a lot of activity in there as well. Uh, uh, And so that's where all the uh, indoor uh, uh, exhibits and Jack, if you want to, you can rent that hangar. That hangar is available for rent. 
uh, on a monthly, daily, nightly basis? What are we talking about? By the hour? By <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. That's that's why they were able to use it because the 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 hangar is here for rent at the airport. It was vacant, so they're using it for the indoor expo stuff. Next year, they may or may not be out there in that hangar. Yeah. But ah, I see. Okay. Well, you know, we're talking about uh, you know the lay of the the layout and the way they've changed around the the uh, outside exhibits and, and use of the hangar. Um, we we talked a little bit yesterday where it, it was, and I think you you mentioned at the top of this uh, broadcast where. Um, kind of have a spatial distortion thing going on, but I do think certainly it's they've occupied more space, more square footage um, with exhibits. Um, and just today compared to yesterday, it seems like there's more people here. Yep, yep, I agree with that. And uh, um, I think I, you know I like the fact that um, although opening it up the way they have has pr- produced the optical illusion of sometimes making it seem less dense. What they are now poised for is uh, to uh, to uh, absorb some really nice growth over the next few years. As as the economy continues to improve and as this industry continues to grow, um, they're set up here to really, really build this into, uh, I mean, it's already a great show, but a really, really great show. Another change this year, the first time, an air show component That's of, right. of the gathering of the expo, and that was very exciting. Uh, both nights were twilight shows, mm-hmm. yeah. and the... The dimness and the drama of that was kind of intensified by the fact of the overcast. So it was kind of almost nightlike when these shows were going on. Uh, Team Aerodynamic, the former uh, Team RV, put on a fantastic 12-ship show both nights. They've got uh, they've got lights facing aft from the rear of the aircraft on the smoke trail, so it looks like they've got afterburners on the whole time. They're doing some wonderful four-ship break-offs, rejoining and forming these 12 aircraft into larger things. They do a B-2 formation. It looks like they've got a flying anchor at some point. So they're doing some really, really great stuff and uh, made more challenging by by the conditions. Patty Wagstaff flying also in those conditions, doing her uh, famous inverted ribbon cut in conditions that I wouldn't want to up there not that i could in any condition <laughs> i'm sorry are you saying that she did the inverted ribbon cut in this kind of semi-darkness uh, yes well yes all right better her than me that's uh, that's uh, something huh? that's why she does this and you do podcasts. <laughs> that's right yes yes and, uh, and i'm sure she's jealous too um, <laughs> i'm sure Another one of the big changes to the grounds, uh, in the in roughly the location where the uh, the inside exhibit tent used to be, they've now relocated the food court. And so the food operation is there kind of down center in the show, and there's a big tent. Uh, there is still a big tent there, and that's where all the dining tables are and all, all the uh, seating in there. And another thing that's going on in that tent that's very cool, and it has been going on here in various locations, I believe, for at least two years now, is uh, members of the uh, Flying Musicians Association. Have I got that right? That's the name of the organization here? The Flying Musicians Association. Yeah. Good. Uh, is uh, have been performing all week long, and uh, we have with us here at the uh, at the table uh, a, a good friend of our podcast, a, a, a pal of mine, or from New England. Uh, Howie Marlin is here. How you doing? Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, this has uh, really been an incredible show. You read about the weather when you guys were sauntering off for dinner. We started to get a little misty darkness, yeah. and watching Patty go up inverted on that ribbon in darn near IMC was, uh, oh, <laughs> it, it, we got our money's worth. Yeah, really. For those of you that weren't here, you should have been. Yeah, yeah. 
Tell us a little bit about the Flying Musicians Association. What's that all about? The Flying Musicians Association is an international organization of folks who are involved in aviation and music. Uh, we describe it in very loose terms. You don't need to be a pilot. You can be involved in aviation in any capacity, be the loved one of an aviator, work on the field, or be passionate about it, and have a passion for music. The whole idea behind this is, whether you be a guitar player or a drummer or someone who uh, is uh, working for a band, having these two passions together allows us to thread together the image of bringing people into aviation from a very common and easily discussable, easy, broachable subject, music. Mm -hmm. So we have tons of kids who are into music. And being able to bring them down to the hangar for a jam, they look around, they go, hello? Mm -hmm. And then the discussions begin. Yeah. Does your membership represent any particular kind of musical genre, or uh, are you... Uh... No, we are as eclectic as it gets. We have concert pianists. We have... Um, the one of the most fantastic. Now, when I talk about accordion, we're not talking old-fashioned, you know, bubbles in the background. These things are, you know, little Moog synthesizers that you're wearing on your. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal uh, performers, and then uh, rock bands as well as acoustic. I myself, uh, being a, basically a rock drummer from the '70s, and going about my business in that direction, play a number of instruments. So I do bluegrass and things like that. And in events like this, I'll play guitar. I like to be the supporting character, and the backgrounds for harmonies and rhythm guitar. So uh, we're international in that. We just got a brand-new member the other day from Mexico. We have folks from Europe and South America. The, uh, the idea here is to bring people from outside the field in, and it's working really well for us. Yeah. So uh, how many representatives are here on site this week? Uh, we've had about eight or ten uh, that we know of. We have others who have been coming in from nowhere that we had no idea that they were arriving. Um, so uh, officially, what's int what is truly interesting is that at every event we attend, simply making the mention of uh, the, our existence, people start to flood to the stage. Oh, yeah, I do a little picking in the background. I brought my harmonicas. Hello. And that's the best part, when people feel comfortable enough to either get on stage, but they don't have to, because our little booth alongside, we just have people just sitting there picking and grinning like a living room. Yeah. And that's wonderful. So if there are any listeners out there who... For whom this, are you ready, strikes a chord, uh, uh, how do they learn more about your organization? On the net, flyingmusiciansassociation.org or flyingmusiciansassociation.com. Yeah. And uh, although James, and we're going to shame him a little bit here, James is not currently a member of this organization. I know you've been, been kind of involved with him. And I paid for his membership this morning. You did? <laughs> ah, well, there we, we go. We got that taken care of. <laughs> I, I'll reimburse you gladly, gladly. No, oh, you owe me, pal. But, you owe me. Uh, just a matter, I'm, I'm lazy about things sometimes. No, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to embarrass you, James. Mostly I was trying to segue into the fact that you guys are going to play a little song for us in a few minutes, right? Yes, we're, we're eager to do that. Get yeah. some, sure. All right, we're, so I'm telling you what, why don't um, we have to take a break in a few... Um, yeah, I think what I want to do is why don't you guys start to get prepped to do that right now, and uh, Jeb and I will talk a little bit, and hopefully okay. uh, we'll... Uh, and, and uh, Howie, you can stick around for a little bit after the break, right? Great. Uh, and so, because there's another subject I really want to hear you talk about too. So let's uh, get ten minutes, Jack. Yeah. So why don't you guys get ready to uh, to give us that song, and then we'll take it from there, Jeb. Yeah. So what else is going on here? Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, I have a couple things on my list here, but yeah. anything in particular that has caught your attention these well, few days? Well, uh, I'm looking around some of the avionics vendors, um, it, working on some projects uh, in my other life. Uh, looking at um, 
types of, of, of uh, communications and, and uh, navigation systems available for light sport aircraft, and uh, perhaps even aircraft without, without electrical systems. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I'm kind of poking my nose in cockpits and uh, uh, looking at what's available on, on that on the market for that that particular segment mm -hmm. and there's some interesting uh, products out there as, as i'm sure you can uh, imagine um anytime you don't have to deal with the faa's byzantine certification process uh it allows you some flexibility and, and uh, perhaps a little, little bit more imagination can creep into the final product mm -hmm. uh and looking around um uh some of these panels i you look around at, um, I think I stuck my head in one of the, the new Technam uh, aircraft mm -hmm. over here between us and the, um, the exhibit hangar. And um, we had, you know, you got what is a relatively small instrument panel, all things considered. Mm -hmm. it's a it's a side-by-side -side seating aircraft. Um, but, you know, the panel expands the, the entire fuselage. But it's relatively sparsely populated. You've got two big flat screens. Um, that occupy the space in front of each occupant, and then uh, you've got all this cream-colored metal or fiberglass or carbon fiber or whatever it is, mm -hmm. uh, that in which there's nothing. Yeah, and um, that's uh, uh, refreshing yeah. on, on several levels. It's refreshing. That's an interesting. Yeah, thing, it's, it's it's very refreshing. The airplane we flew over here, for example. Yes. Uh, steam gauge airplane. There's all kinds of junk stuck in it in various places. Um, there is some logic to it, but uh, um, you have a lot of things going on in that panel. In these, in these, uh, in that particular Technam, you had a lot of things going on uh, in the uh, in the MFDs mm -hmm. when they're powered up and, and, and set up correctly. Um, but the the area surrounding the panel is much less busy uh, than it would be in the airplane, for example, in which you rode over. Um, but that's just intriguing to me, and, and I'm not, you know, looking at, uh, you know, yanking out my old panel and putting in something new or anything like that. But uh, I'm always intrigued, and I'm always uh, interested in, in what's new in this market, because what's new in this market eventually will trickle up. Uh, one of the, uh, I think it was Dynan, um, has a um, um, portable, I presume battery-powered device. It's um, uh, an artificial horizon. Mm-hmm. It's about the size of um, a very thick pack of cards and, and more square than rectangular. Okay. Um, and it's a, uh, an artificial horizon, backup artificial horizon. Mm -hmm. uh, you Velcro it to your instrument panel. It's under $1,500 brand new. Uh, that's an interesting product. Yeah. Um, things like that have, have always intrigued me, and, and this show especially is, is good for that. This, yeah, I, I have to admit... Sounds like a great airplane flying by here. I can't see it over the tops of the tents. You but, uh, will on a DC-3. Yeah. I want to say, yeah, I was going to say DC-3. We saw one down on the ramp a little while ago. It would have been so embarrassing if that would have been a Cub and you were going to say DC-3. <laughs> if that was a Cub, I really want to see it because that was something. Um, I remember from the earliest days of the light sport aircraft appearing on the scene uh, being a little shocked almost about the, the glass panels that were in all these things yeah. and uh, um, obviously become very accustomed to it. And, uh, but now, and, and you're right. I mean, you're seeing these airplanes that have nothing but, you know, quote-unquote glass. Um, and uh, Yeah, it would be rare, I think, uh, to see a, certainly a, a clean sheet of paper design LSA uh, to come out of the shop, out of the factory with steam gauges. Yeah. Uh, things are just so much simpler and, and cleaner to just drop an MFD in it and, and uh, 
I'll let the electrician worry about where it all goes. Yeah. So. James and Howie seem to be set up here, and uh, I'm trying to figure out, I'm looking to look to Dave and company for some advice on how to position microphones so that we can hear properly. If I were to hold, you know, do something like that, you've got, that might yeah. work right there. And uh, you hold that kind of there, and I'll hold this kind of here, and you think that'll work? This hey, is gonna we'll look give it great. a shot. This is going to cool. look great on the video. Hi, is this yeah. one okay? This is like behind the scenes. Anyways, James. That, it looks a whole lot better than Howie's butt, which was what we were seeing a few minutes ago when he no. walked into the shot. My eyes, my eyes. <laughs> James, what are you going to play? We're going to play a, a song that was, it's a kind of a pain to another aviation gathering that they have up in Wisconsin every summer, Air Venture. It's called Rock Your Wings. All right, go for Here it. Here we go. I was kind of nervous, even with air traffic service, though I read the fist procedure like the Bible. 1.6 from the inbound fix I was set up for the ripping arrival Already had the 80s I said, man, this is the greatest As I thought about where I was aviating Yes, ma'am, no, tam, damn I hit a grand slam The world's greatest air show is awaiting I had the proper freaking, yes, and I turned off my peaking, but I worried the approach would overwhelm me. But I felt just like Bob Hoover executing this maneuver when I heard the air controller tell me, Rock your wings, rock your wings, rock your wings if you copy. Rock them up and down. Rock your wings, rock your wings, rock your wings, everybody. You're looking good from the ground. Him and I rolled him in sign language. My wings told him I was ready, I was willing, I was listening. listening. So, for pleasure, not survival, we rocked on toward the revival in the distance when the Bigger's waters glistening. Yes, we all flew that procedure with the one defining feature that we practiced as we rocked and rolled on along. I can see the wings are wagging, I wing going, tail dragging, as everyone on freak sing this song hey, rock your wings rock your wings rock your wings if you copy it rock them up and down rock your wings rock your wings rock your wings everybody rock them all around you've reached the place every club and ace considers hallowed ground so rock your wings rock your wings rock your wings everybody your oshkosh inbound Must have sparked a chain reaction that's peculiar to the arts of aviation. Cause every airplane in the sky from way down low to way up high and rock their wings to some cosmic vibration. 
I could see the sun's reflection as they turned in our direction In a manner that you had to keep your eyes on Then the wind began to rockin' and the planes kept on a flockin' And more were comin' over the horizon There was Cessna's moonies, diamonds, lances, mustangs, Harvey's champs, and emperors Names enough to fill a hundred stanzas Searin's Husky, extra Piper, Boeing, Airbus, Raptor, Viper, Lyrics, Kestrel's, Merlin's, and Bonanza. Yeah, a few Bonanzas. And the swarm just kept a-comin', and the air began a-hummin'. And like their wings, oh, how my heart fluttered. And I knew they'd fit right in when they sang in unison, before the air controller even uttered. Hey, rock your wings, rock your wings, rock your wings, if you copy. Rock them up and down. Rock your wings, rock your wings. Rock your wings, everybody. Rock them all around. To boast, but we're proud to host the show that's made us world renowned. So rock your wings, rock your wings, rock your wings, everybody. Your Oshkosh in town. One more time, rock them. Is on the yellow dot Watch the flag man and monitor ground And rock your wings Rock your wings Rock your wings Your Oshkosh inbound Alright Thank you, that was awesome Rock your wings, that's James Winbrandt and Howie Marlin of the, uh, both of the Flying Musicians Association. That's On behalf terrific. of the group and ourselves, thank you for the audition. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll call you, right? No, no, we'll definitely call you. That was awesome. Hey, we need to take a break here, run a little late here, but uh, you're listening to a uh, very special episode of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast. I'm going to throw it back to our buddy Dave Schalbetter. You're listening to Expo Radio, hosted by Sun and Fun Radio and FlightTimeRadio.com. And we're back here at uh, the Sebring U.S. Avi- Sport Aviation Expo uh, it, in Sebring, Florida. Uh, and we just had a great uh, uh, serenade by uh, James and, and Howie, and uh, I really appreciate that. We've got another friend who's joined us here at the table. But first of all, uh, James, you got a split, huh? you got to go home? Or? That's right. I'm uh, heading back up to St. Augustine. Uh, I wish I could stay longer. wish this event could go on forever. Yeah. So you flew down here in the, in the uh, Mooney? Yes, I did. Your Mooney's doing good these days? Doing great. Yeah. I just can't say enough great things about that airplane. Yeah. yeah you, you, definitely, you literally take it all over the world. Uh, we've heard you tell yeah. stories about S- Central America and South America, I think, right? And, uh, uh, it's been as far south as Nicaragua. Okay. And, uh, and Alaska? And Alaska, the... north of the Arctic Circle in Alaska, across the United States. Yeah. Do you still have the tail on backwards? Still got the tail on backwards. <laughs> That's why it does so well. Anyways, we wish you a safe flight, and thanks for joining us with us for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. It's thanks, great James. to be with the, the UCAP crew always, okay. and I look thank forward you. to our next time. Thanks, Terrific. Thank you, James Winbrett. We'll see you next time. So, uh, Howie. Yes, sir. Um, I, I, I was trying to figure out a clever way to segue into this, but I failed. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, anyone who's watching the video stream or here on the grounds can't help but notice that you're kind of geared out in a, a very distinctive uh, uh, outfit here um people i think in aviation world are very familiar with civil air patrol uh the uh, the uh, civilian program that uh, is involved among other things with uh, uh, search and rescue and, and other training and, and whatnot program educational programs um a lot of people are less aware of another program a program that you're involved with and, and what is that program 
Well, first, thank you very much. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share the information of what is called the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary Aviation Division, Auxair for short. What's unique about Auxair is we're considered an asset extension. Um, normally, when people associate the uh, Coast Guard Auxiliary, they do marketing, promotions, education, boat safety, surface vessel uh, missions. We, on the other hand, are exclusively aviation, obviously, and we serve directly with the gold side, with the U.S. Coast Guard uh, Air Division. We serve on missions which uh, range anywhere from um, marine domain awareness, which is keeping an eye on our harbors for oil spills, abandoned ship movement, uh, aids to navigation being pushed off track, to uh, marine fisheries and wildlife, so to make sure that the uh, fishermen are uh, in good shape and that we're not running into whales. Uh, we also, during the winter time, do uh, ice patrols, which are critical because the Boston Harbor and Maine and up around our coast, when we get locked in, it's just a disaster. So we can report in uh, every day uh, the movement of things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's sort of a vital component to the Coast Guard. Right. Um, you were telling us the other day that although you were uh, trapped out of town, uh, the uh, AROCs was involved with some of the Sandy, uh, uh, Hurricane Sandy uh, activities? Yes. Yeah, so we have different regions uh, around the country and uh, the southern piece of New England and then the, the mid-states around New Jersey and New York. And they were doing, as we would imagine, uh, up and down the shore reporting on what they saw. And here we could not have enough uh, assets in the air. And to have the auxiliary in, as you could imagine, at the time of that crisis, was truly a blessing. Here you have people ready to go and all these extra eyes in the air. How would one become involved in that uh, endeavor if they wanted to? Uh, you would uh, go on the Internet, look at the air for, uh, Coast Guard Auxiliary Air, Aux Air. Any flotilla from the Coast Guard anywhere in the country, uh, go on, you know, look on the web in any form and get to any of the flotillas, and they'll be able to direct you there. What about training requirements? Or uh, Let's say I'm a, I'm a renter pilot. I don't own my own airplane, and I wanted to be air crew. Um, there's uh, five positions, observer, uh, first pilot, second pilot, uh, and commander. That with four, four positions. The process of getting involved is lengthy. It is... Um, as an asset extension, we have to go through uh, quite a few numbers of FEMA training. And uh, the level of security clearance is much higher than that of the traditional Coast Guard Auxiliary. So the additional training of being in aviation, notwithstanding, on uh, top of the FEMA courses, um, the process takes, uh, it's a significant investment in time, at the very minimum a year, uh, more often than not, about two years to go through all the qualification processes, go through security, get your clearances, get all the coursework under your belt, and then get yourself into the system of actually being able to serve on the missions. Mm -hmm. Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about any of the missions that you've been involved with? Any, uh, are they all just kind of very mundane or any adventures? Or uh, I'm thrilled to tell you that I just finished my air training, the very last component of the entire process. I am now serving uh, totally as a, uh, as a committed member. Uh -huh. my Congratulations. Thank you very yeah, much. As you can imagine, this is a very big deal in my world. Um, with the onset of winter, I got uh, 
the proper uh, outfit. So the, the dry suit is a, this massive investment which you have to get fitted for. <clears throat> I'm in process for that. I'm in a Mustang, one of those orange outfits that you see as we fly. And we uh, are going through the marine domain awareness portion of the uh, missions at this time of year. Summer people are gone. We're not looking for a lot of uh, seasonal people. Of course, most all have left. We are now beginning to do uh, missions for ice patrol. And already up in New England, we have found, and you see where the cutters go through and leave their trail. And this is important when it comes to New Bedford and the fishing capital of New England when they need to have access to their harbor. So, and this changes dramatically overnight. So we report daily of these occurrences. And so marine domain awareness have not served on an ice patrol officially, but we have been able to report on the ice that we've seen. Yeah. That's very. That's that's really really interesting, and I was I was thrilled to, to learn a little bit more about this other program because we hear so much about the one that's a little more visible. Well, the one thing I want to throw in, the reason why I got involved in the beginning was I wanted to fly with people like Jeb, people who have been involved, who know what they're. Well, not you, but people who know what they're doing, <laughs> and be able to fly into areas that I would not go, not unsafe. They're perfectly safe. I'm ultra conservative. I mean, I'm, I have the care and responsibility of feeding a 40-year-old Cherokee. So for me, I'm going to be ultra-conservative. Now, on missions, we need to fulfill the mission with all the grounds of safety. And there's a checklist that we do, very strict checklist for safety and risk. And if there's uh, anything abutting the level of risk, uh, not worth it, we don't go. However, I will learn from you, and we talk about this as we're going. Besides reporting to our bases and telling them what we're seeing, we're talking about aircraft management, engine management, shock, all the things that mm-hmm. I hear you guys talk about, you know. And so for me, it's all about the education, and, and that's why I got involved. And I highly recommend any of you who have any interest in continuing your education to get involved with Ox Air because it is one nonstop brilliant education with experienced and passionate aviators. That's Very cool. That's terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, please stick around if, you were, if you're able. Um, and uh, I know you're involved with a lot of other aviation activities. We did, we're kind of limited on time today, but one of these days we're going to get you back on the podcast to talk about some of the other activities that uh, you're based out of Martha's Vineyard up in Massachusetts. And uh, that would be great to hear more about that. But uh, yeah, I, I had no idea that ice was such a problem in that arena, in that area. Um, it's interesting. And it's amazing once you actually do get up in the air and you see uh-huh. as it forms and how it inhibits commerce. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It's eye-opening. Wow. Yeah. We've been joined now by uh, a, a, a very, very dear friend, someone who I'm not sure whether we've ever actually con- uh, persuaded you to appear on the podcast before. I mean, we may have very briefly. Uh, I did last summer at AirVenture. That's right, at AirVenture, right. up in the, uh, yes. in the studio in the sky, the, the, the late lamented studio The, in the late sky. lamented studio That's in another the sky. story altogether. Uh, Mary Jones is here. Hi, Mary. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. Great to see you. Thank you. Uh, so, uh Let's see now. We want to talk about Sebring, um, but just give me a little bit of an update here. Since we saw you last summer, I believe it is, you have retired from EAA. Is that right? I did. Actually, I was already retired by the time right. I you saw were, you. That's right. It was just prior to that. June 28th. And, uh, and your, your, your last big role with EAA was what? Tell us again. Uh, Director of Publications, Editor of Sport Aviation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you've backed down yet now. Knowing you, I'm not terribly surprised that you have not managed to completely retire. I uh, flunked completely retirement, yes. <laughs> I flunked it. What, uh, what kind of things are you working on these days? Well, um, I'm here at Sebring doing some work with the Sebring Expo folks. I worked with Jaina and Mike Willingham, Jaina Phillips, who is the director. Mm-hmm. Mike is the executive director of the airport. Um, they needed somebody to do some press releases and 
some writing and things for them, and we wanted somebody that had some knowledge of aviation, and so um, a friend of mine connected me to them, and mm-hmm. off we went. So yeah. I've been doing some of the stuff you see on their website is stuff I've written, and um, I've written, wrote a bunch of stuff for the program, and some yep. news releases that got in local media. So, yeah, yeah I've been having a great time that's, doing that's that. Great. It's been great fun. I want to ask you about Sebring, but just real quickly, you are still involved with one of the EAA publications. Yes, I'm, I'm the editor of the Digital Experimenter, mm-hmm. um, which is... The Digital Experimenter. Digital. It's digital issue. It's only digital. It oh, doesn't, it's, it's digital, not printed. It's not it's a, a print magazine. Issue, huh? Right, okay, right, yeah. right. And, right. Uh, so we launched the first issue in September of uh-huh. last, last fall. Um, we'll wrap up the February one next week when I get home, or next. Well, actually, next week when, when I'm whenever, on, when yeah. I'm when Dead I'm on lunch, the beach when I'm on the beach yeah. next week, you know, have computer can work anywhere. I love it. So yeah, it's great. We have about forty five thousand subscribers to the it digital magazine. Um, um, the people, the people that were previous, we had the, the e newsletter, and the e newsletter for Light Plane World, folks. Those two have been. Um, those two lists have been combined, and they are getting the free magazine. So, mm-hmm. um, any, and anybody actually can go online, and it's it's not behind a firewall yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Somewhere down the line, it will be. Yeah. I would expect. But right now, if you can go to eaa.org/experimenter, and voila. What yeah. kind of topics are you covering in it? We are strictly focusing on experimental amateur builds okay. and experimental light sport ex- aircraft, the okay. ELSAs. So, um, while I was down here doing you know, helping out with the Sebring folks, um, we scattered up a few articles as well for experimenters. So basically all aspects of uh, building your own airplane. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So tell us about your perspective of the Sebring show. Um, You obviously have seen a a, a wide range of of things in in your work, if if only in your work doing the press releases. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the notable stories? Let me ask it this way, because we've talked a little bit about what we perceive as some of the notable stories. What are the sort of second-level stories? What are the stories that maybe people haven't heard as much about? Well, what do you you consider the notable stories? Well, we've talked about the flight designs, uh, uh, CTLS. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the fact that that there's a lot of amphibs here. Um, you know, are there other new airplanes that were introduced here, or are there? What, what's the story here this year? Um, well, the SAM, um, the Heim Aviation out of Canada, that's right inside the front gate here. Mm-hmm. The new all-metal monocoque construction. Um, he's got a Rotax engine on the front of that. Um, that's that's a pretty new airplane. He has. He's just going to begin flight testing when he gets back to Canada. Um, that's something we'll be covering. Um, Assuming his flight testing goes as he hopes it does, we'll be doing that in an upcoming issue of Experimenter. Um, I don't know. There's, I've, I'm, you know, I'm, I've kind of wore a different hat this week, so I haven't been out there right. pounding this pavement as much as I might have mm-hmm, looking for mm-hmm. that particular thing. So, yeah. um, you know, the the Bristels here last year that was a brand new airplane. Mm-hmm. The um, the Golden Avio that's that's a Stelio Frati design that also was here last year, but it's a little more. They're ready to. Um, um, get an airworthiness certificate on that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, back up a second here and, and describe these airplanes for us a little bit. What, what you know, are they uh, fixed wing, high wing, low wing? What's, what, what makes them, you know, what they are? Well, the SAM is a, is a low wing. Um, kind of uh, got a fighter, kind of a... Aluminum, you, fiberglass? Yeah, aluminum, fi- aluminum um, almost all aluminum. Um, has a, like a, you know, a T6 sort of canopy. It's kind of fun. It's kind of... It's 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 got an interesting look to it. I've, I've been noticing yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, how are you? Have you taken a look at the Sky Arrow? 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, from Magnag yes. Magnaghi Aeronautica out of Italy. Yeah, they recently purchased that design from um, the original owners and designers had gone out of business. So um, Magnaghi purchased that in early 2012. That's a nice airplane. It's been around for a while, and it, they're doing some mods to it as well. It's been around, and what the reason why I brought it up, I, I took it for a little, uh, I tried it on for size this morning, and found it uh, dramatically impressive. Yes. Uh, it, it's, uh, the fact that you're sitting in a fighter cockpit configuration start is one thing. And the other is that it's the aircraft that Charles Dice uses with Able Flight. Correct. Uh, for the uh, folks who have uh, limited abilities, mm-hmm. and it's been tremendously successful there. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a formidable aircraft that's been on a long, long time. Yeah. The parent company makes products for other extremely well-known aviation companies. So this is a very interesting LSA development mm-hmm. from a infrastructure company. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, inverted as far as how it's being developed. Yeah, yeah. You can expect great things from yeah. them in the future. I think so, too. I very think they're cool. going to do a great job with that design. There's the FK Comet, which also has been here before, mm-hmm. but now with the... Uh, does it have the inverted engine now? It's that- got the Lycoming engine. That's over here at, at Renegade Aircraft. Um, so that's, um, we've been trying to encourage Patty Wagstaff that that's an airplane that might be a great sh- great airplane for her to do. That little, you yeah. know, that little short biplane yeah. might be a great one for her to do um, aerobatics in an LSA. And, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And let's see. I saw a story, I think it was on, on, this, on the Expo website, about the uh, Cub Crafters, uh, the Carbon Cub being... Um, um, really embraced as a training aircraft uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that was kind of interesting mm-hmm. apparently it's becoming a very popular tailwheel trainer mm-hmm. and uh, uh, not, uh, <laughs> blank look nothing you can add to that one I'm yeah no, I don't really have anything to add to that you know one of the little side stories that I thought was really that's really cool is the Seaplane Pilots Association awarded a scholarship here to um, well they're, they're going to be awarding it here at 2 o'clock this afternoon to uh, the, the criterion where you had to be a, a private pilot between the ages of 17 and 35 and on an aviation career path um, and they had um, you know some questions that you, they need, you, you needed to kind of fill that form out for them and stuff like that so um, and they're doing that around the country they're hoping to give away 12 wow. single engine fully paid for you know and to any um, recognized facility any rec- any training facility that the seaplane pilot association recognizes and they're going to do that um, I think they said they're going to do it at Arlington. They're going to do it at Sun and Fun. They're going to do it at Adventure. They did it here, um, and that's just anybody out there who fits that cri- you know that criteria is interested in seaplane flying. Check it out. Do we know who is uh, assisting uh, SPA in sponsoring that? Um, you know what? I okay. don't know that as well. So yeah. you would talk to Steve yeah. over at the. Uh, I'm SPA. a member. I'll go pop over there. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I think that's really great. So yeah. yeah. It, it, Maybe it's just, uh, you know, we've been talking about optical illusions here. There seem to be a lot of amphibs, um, amphibs and, and float planes here it's this Florida. year. Yeah. But, but more than past years, or, or, or not. Do you, you have any, guys have any sense of whether there are more than usual? And, and, and as you mentioned, the Seaplane Association seems to have, I mean, they're always visible. I always mm-hmm. see them at all these shows. But mm-hmm. for some reason, they seem even more visible to me this year. Is that a- I, I, it's hard to say. I, I don't remember SPA being as visible here in, in past years. Uh, it, it does, in fact, however, seem to be, there, there does, in fact, seem to be, however, some uh, a greater number of amphibs and float planes here at, uh, at the Expo. Um, and I was just thinking about how to, you know, characterize 
uh, this show compared to previous shows and talking about some of the things that uh, uh, Mary was bringing up. And I think evolutionary is, is uh, mm-hmm. the word. We've got you know aircraft that were perhaps introduced here last year. Um, they're flying this year. They're more refined. They're, they're approaching their certificate uh, uh, um, receipt, uh, things like that. Um, clearly, the, the, you know, the, the industry is, is uh, here to stay. Clearly, it's growing. And uh, <clears throat> clearly, they're they're uh, doing what they should be doing, or what what this I think this industry was created to do, which was innovate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, and, uh, that, that, that was seemed, actually, yeah. yeah. That was some of the comments that um, you know Randy Babbitt spoke at the Llama dinner on Thursday evening, and um, former FAA administrator. For those who not don't know, um, and he said what he was amazed. He got a tour of the field during the day, and he said he loves the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit of this industry and the way they embrace technology and, and, you know, kind of really just move it forward in aviation. One thing I'd love to say is, I don't know if you guys stayed late enough the other night to see the Team Aerodynamics show. We didn't, but, but James saw it and he was telling us all about it. It, it sounded really cool. What would you think? It's awesome. <laughs> and I talked with Mike Stewart yesterday and they are going to be um, opening, I understand, the Saturday Night Air show at Oshkosh. Um, that's been pretty much just finalized, so I hope I'm not blowing any press release for Dick Nopinski. Um, but I was, I loved the show. I loved the show. I kind of do, actually. But it's, <laughs> you what? I kind of do. Th- hope you're blowing a press release oh. for Nopinski. No, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just yanking Shay. Yeah, well, he, he's used to that. It's, yeah. it's, it's social media, you know. It's like, yeah, hey, you know. But, uh, yeah, so you liked that show, huh? I did. I really, really enjoyed it. And, and those guys do a great job. Yeah. Did, uh, at at other of the big fly-ins, we've found that those evening air shows really do a lot to boost the crowd to t- turn out. Did, did that happen here, too? It and did. Um, Friday night was, well, you know, it was a little misty, both nights, actually, a little misty, um, and the crowd was um, not, you know, not nothing, but it, was, it wasn't as big as you would not, might expect. But last night's crowd, I was talking to Mike Willingham this morning, and... He and I both estimated at least three times what it was wow. on Friday night. And even it was, you know, kind of not the best evening last night either. So this is definitely something that they're going to keep keep um, on the schedule. And, and they love the twilight timing because it allows, it doesn't interfere with um, the, the, the exhibitors doing their demo flights because they're very, you know, they realize, you know, as Mike says, you know, that we started the show to bring um, buyers to vendors Right. And we want to make it easy for those people to continue to, to do their business. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's a great combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're kind of reaching the end of our allotted time here, Mary. Anything else that uh, you want to tell us about the show or, or your life or, or whatever? We really... <laughs> it's seven degrees with a wind chill of minus seven in Oshkosh. And I think it's 71 here. That's my, all you need to know. My That's mama right. didn't raise no fools. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, it's great to see you guys. Nice to see you, you too. Thank you very much. So, Jeb, we're just going to wrap this thing up. Uh, it's uh, another interesting Sebring. It's a really, yeah. really growing show. And uh, well, how, how have you been down here before to this show? Yes, sir. I was here last year. How do you? How, what's your thinking? Well, there's certainly more diversity in aircraft. And when we were talking about float planes, I wanted to uh, give a nod to the German company Auto Gyro. And yes, yeah, that meant to magnificent uh, float plane version they brought. Mm-hmm. I flew that. Uh, I flew the gray one. And uh, the uh, stability of the auto driver platform blew me away. I was, you know, I was as skeptical as everybody else, but this right. man was uh, really uh, convincing. And I went up, I came down. Now, you know, my bucket list now includes 
an auto gyro. <laughs> um, Jenny, I'm sorry. I, I my wife is going, my wife is shaking her head now. Yeah, well, it's like it's like our pal Turbo. He's like adding one airplane after oh, another after another. Turbo. Oh, he's yeah. been all over the place. Uh, yeah, and right. uh, in addition to his his RV, and then he got his uh, his uh, Robinson 44, and yes. uh, and then last spring he got himself a, a gyrocopter, little, and so uh, seat, yep. you know it's like the it's like the old they say how many airplanes is enough? Uh, how many airplanes does a person really need? One more. <laughs> but overall, I see more people. I see a, a diversity right. of people, and the traffic in the booths are the buyers are what is really catching my yeah. attention. I, I talked to a couple of vendors earlier today when I had a moment or two, and they were in fact very pleased uh, with the uh, the, the uh, throughput, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Well, it's building, and Gary and Jana have done a great job. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. fact, I, I talked with John Monette this morning, who's down here for the first time, and he's he was very impressed with the the quality of the people that he talked to at the booth. He says, "I know I'm selling kits." And <clears throat> excuse me, just one last thing. Mike said this morning when I talked with him, Mike Willingham, that ticket sales they expect will exceed last year's record of sixteen thousand over the course, even though the weather wasn't as nice. That's great. That's, That's terrific. Well, we need to wrap this thing up. Uh, I want to thank everybody. Uh, first of all, uh, want to thank uh, Dave Shalbetter and the entire crew here at uh, what they're calling Expo Radio, uh, aka Sun and Fun Radio. Thank you, David, and everybody for helping us out and for having us here. Thanks to uh, all of the leaders and, and folks who put on the uh, Sebring Expo for uh, making this opportunity possible and putting on the show. We really appreciate that. Thanks to Howie, Howie Marlin from uh, uh, my, my stomping grounds up there in, in New England for stopping by and talking with us. Thank you, Howie. You're welcome. Uh, Mary, thanks for stopping by. Uh, uh, see, I, I always knew you'd be great at this, and we need to get you yeah. on the uh, podcast more, more often. All right? That would be great. James had to take off, but James Winbrandt was here, uh, and we thank him for uh, sharing his perspective with us and, uh, and, and with uh, Howie for the music that you gave us a little bit earlier. That was pretty cool. You're welcome. Uh, quick shout-out to, uh, to our pal Dave, who's stuck in Wichita. Uh, and, uh, Anybody know what the weather uh, is there? I don't know, but it's, well, you know, Wichita's been up and down. It's been all over the place this winter, so I don't know. It could be 70 there today for all we know. But uh, anyways, uh, uh, we're thinking about you, Dave, and sorry you weren't able to join us here. We'll see you in uh, a few more weeks uh, up in Lakeland. And uh, Howard, you wanted to jump in here with something real quick? One shout out to my young friend Connor, who is on his way to the Bahamas. Keep the dirty side down, dude. In the most beautiful aircraft I've ever seen. And when you see pictures of his plane, you'll know why. Okay. Uh, Jeb Burnside, thanks a lot. Appreciate uh, everything you do with us here. And uh, I'm Jack Hodgson, and uh, this is it for Uncontrolled Airspace. Uh, Thanks a lot, and uh, we'll see you all next time. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that.